Hello everyone and welcome to Inspiring African Travel. I'm Julia and together with my husband James and our great friend Stuart, this podcast will bring you inspiring interviews from people in travel. We want you to meet the locals with uplifting stories. Stories of female empowerment, conservation heroes, guide adventures, and other amazing people who live and work in tourism in Africa. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the journey with inspiring African travel. Thanks for listening, and welcome to our very first series, Women in Travel. In this series, we'll bring you seven episodes sharing the stories from inspiring women, women who have broken down gender barriers in tourism in Africa. We hope you'll be inspired by our very first podcast series. Enjoy. For our very first episode, we were invited to join Florence Cahiso at her home in Botswana's Okavango town, Mao. Florence is a professional safari guide, and in this interview, James talks to her about growing up in a small village in a remote part of Botswana and how her upbringing eventually led her to become one of the country's well-known female guides. She's a wonderful lady and so humble in what she does and has achieved. We hope you enjoy this very first episode of Women in Travel. Hi everybody, welcome to Inspiring African Travel. My name is James and we are here with a very good friend of mine, Florence Cajiso. We're in New Desaneng, which is in Mound. It's an area which uh, has been developing over the last few years, and it runs adjacent to the Tamalakani River in Mound, which is at the moment filling up very fast with water after a long drought. We're at Florence's home, which is really nice so if you hear a dog bark or the wind blow um, or perhaps a little taxi or something going past it all adds to the value <laughs> it's an authentic oh chickens let's not forget chickens <laughs> it's a warm winter's afternoon uh, there's a gentle breeze and let's not forget we're also with beautiful little Sabaha who is Florence's daughter she is five years old. Can you say hello to the everybody there? Hello. My name is Bahakahis. I'm five years old. And your favorite animal? It's cheetah. Why? It's fast. <laughs> That's very <Okay>. cute. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Give me five. Okay. Well, that is absolutely what I expected to hear considering that Florence is a guide so she must be teaching her daughter all the animals Flo before we go into 
more about you know how you became a guide and everything create a little bit of a picture in our in our minds of what it was like growing up and what you did yeah, thank you um coming from uh, Gumare it's actually 277 kilometers away from Maun which is more on the northwestern part of Botswana so really in the heart of the Okavango really in the heart of the Okavango Delta because um, I remember in that uh, village when I was growing up, um, there's actually one of the uh, tributaries uh, that are coming from the Okavango Delta that normally uh, branches up until it reaches Maun. So that uh, tributary is uh, very closer to Gumare and it's only five kilometers from Gumare. So in that area, that's where I grew up. And um, that's actually a village. And um, coming from a village, I was actually raised by a single mom. My mother was actually one of the very strong ladies that was actually respected in the village when it comes to a farming. Um, as the last one of the five siblings, I had that um, right opportunity to be with her. And as she was there, she also was looking after my grandmothers. And both my grandmothers were actually blind, which was really interesting. Uh, I really had a good time with them. Okay, so it was just your mum, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. and your two grandmothers. Grandmothers, yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. No wonder you have woman empowerment running through your blood, eh? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so that's beautiful. So you, so your mum was farming, right? Yes. And your grandmothers were they were they farming as well? Before, yes, they were farmers, but then when they, they got blind, they had just to stay home. But the interesting thing is that we would always take them with us. When we get to the farming fields, we would take them from that uh, small settlement into um, the fields. We'll just walk by the, 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 them holding on their hands. We walk up until we get to the fields. So then um, in the evenings, we'd sit just around the fire and they sit together, they tell us all the beautiful stories that you can think of, how they lived um, their life during their early days. So they were actually explaining more on how to interact with all the wild animals because during that time, um, the animals were like roaming all over the places. They would tell us, you know, interesting story. Because um, one of them, she was more into this story. She was seeing, you know, when she tells the story, she will demonstrate. You know, she will stand up, you know, show you how those elephants would walk, you know, what you should. She was always demonstrating all these things to us. So it was really um, interesting because you can't really walk away when she's telling a story. Everyone will be like sitting like this and just staring at her. So sometimes you would get scared that you would be like, okay, if I move away from her, something might happen. So you need just to sit and listen up until she ends the story. So it was really interesting. Flo, give us a, one of, a sneak peek to one of these stories from your grandmothers. Um, I remember she, she was telling us about um, the monitor lizard. That age, I was not really picturing the monitor lizard as a small thing. I was seeing a monitor lizard as a huge, huge thing. And she would say, you know, when you go out there, out in the fields, and whenever you are out there, if you can decide to lie down, that monitor lizard would come walking, you know, strolling towards you. And it had two tongues. 
It was like, what on earth? What kind of animal was that? It had two tongues. As soon as he found you sleeping, it will insert those tongues into your nose and eat everything that is inside and you die. I was like, so whenever you are out there, if you are instructed to go and head the cattle, you're not supposed to sleep. And you know that, okay, if I happen to lie or sleep, that monitor lizard would come and get you. So those are the stories. But today, when I look at the monitor lizard, I say, okay, this little thing, this is what my grandmother used to scare me with. <laughs> so some other stories are just trying to help us not to do certain things. Yeah. I understand. Mm. A very good story to make sure that as a young child, you don't decide to take a sleep under the trees because that could lead to other problems, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, remember, as I was growing up, um, sometimes, more especially during the weekends, would leave the village, go into the farming area. So that was actually the time when I had a chance to interact with all the wild animals. So during that time, it was really fun to do that. Because you would spot an animal at a distance, and you'll have to make a plan on how to make sure that that animal cannot detect you. So what we'll do, we'll try to uh, run and hide behind the trees just to avoid being detected by the animal. Or we'll try to, you know, figure out where the wind is blowing from and where the wind is blowing to. Because we have to be down the wind so that that animal cannot get your smell. Flo, give us a little idea of once you had gone through high school, what did you have in your mind about what you wanted to do as a career and do for the rest of your life? Okay, um, first forward when I finished my high school, um, I went into fashion designing. Um, that actually had to lead me to leave the, the village and I had to go into the town, a second city called Francistown. So that's where I did my uh, fashion designing. That course was actually for three years. Why fashion? Did you feel you had a creative flair? What made you do a fashion course in Francistown? Okay, um, uh, with a fashion designing, uh, one of my brothers was actually working in Francistown. So during that time, you know, as a, key, or as a child, somebody will help you you know, to find something that you can do as a career. So he would sit with me and say, okay, um, look, this is what you can do, and um, this can help you. So he actually helped me to get into fashion designing. But I was only into that because he said, okay, no, this can help you, and you can, you know, get something out of it. But I didn't put more effort on it because that was not something that I, I really, really wanted to do. The only thing that I wanted to do was to find a job and work and help my mother so yeah makes sense find yeah, a job yeah. earn a salary mm -hmm. support your mom yes so in order to find a, a job and a career where you could we could have a successful career and earn good good income guiding was the way and you found that Botswana Wildlife Training Institute is that correct that's correct how did that go Ooh, it went very well though it had uh, some few challenges I realized that I was getting into that as a female, and that was a male-dominated job. When you joined Botswana Wildlife Training Institute, mm -hmm. how many women on the campus or how many women were training to be guides? Okay, um, if I remember well, 
in our class we were about uh, something like 30 or 34 if i'm not mistaken but we had at least 16 girls in that class and then the rest were male guys but and the unfortunate part of it is that when we went into internship we were all distributed in all parts of Botswana and um, as we were doing our internship everyone was like okay this is not really good for me more especially the ladies lots of them they decided to quit and do something else they went into teaching others went into um, uh, guest relation others into the airport they decided not to continue with it and um, I was I remember um, out of our class I was the only one left with guiding and um, I would always communicate with them and they would say, no, there's something else that you can do, not guiding. Guide is not really good for, for a lady. I mean, 16, roughly half your class mm -hmm. was comprising of ladies, ladies at yeah. the Wildlife Training Institute for mm -hmm. Guides. Yeah. And yet, when they finished, it sounds like they were not encouraged to go into guiding roles in tourism mm -hmm. and didn't really have the drive, right? That's true. That's true. Well, I guess it is because they were looking at the, the fact that um, when you're out there as a guide, yes, there are a few challenges that you can face. So they were not really into that. So they wanted something that you can just go into the office, you know, sit in front of the computer, you know, type here and there, and then 4.30, you knock off, you go back home. But then with the guiding thing, it's a different story. Flo, you've finished your guiding course. Mm -hmm. Your fellow colleagues have moved into or your fellow students moved into different jobs in the, in the, in the industry. Mm -hmm. You've got your heart set on working as a, as a safari guide. What year are we in here? Okay, um, this was in 2002, and then I finished that internship in 2003. I did my internship um, with uh, one property in Kasan called Chobi Safari Lodge. So that's where I actually um, got my first job. Um, when I was uh, in, during this um, internship, I had to work very, very hard, you know, just to, to, to make sure that the, 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 the owner of the company could see me fitting into their company. So I have to work very, very hard. And when I finished my internship, they actually employed me. How did it go? How did your career span after that? Um, I had to take my driver's license. I had to do all the licenses that you can think of that the guide has to have to operate. Uh, the lodge that I'm talking about, they were during that time they were only offering a boat cruise. They were not offering any game drives or anything. But as a guide, I wanted to do both water activities and land activities. That's one of the special things about Chobi, isn't it? Is that you have the the, the water, the boat safari cruises, mm -hmm. yes, and the land-based. Safari, safari safari game drives it's amazing mm -hmm. okay where did you go i went in for the interview and they accepted me joined into chobe game lodge and that was now in 2004 and joining the chobe game lodge um it was actually another different story so getting into that area i'm joining a team of 12 male guys only one female guide how was that for you? Okay, joining the Chobe Game Lodge, I joined a team of 12 male guides, and I was the only lady guide among that team. And um, yes, 
it was really exciting for me um, looking at the fact that Chobe Game Lodge was one of those um, uh, places that when you are working at it you people will be looking at you you know as you're working in a higher level um, lodge so being accepted in an area like that was like a dream come true for me so joining this uh, gentleman um, yes I also had to prove again or to to work hard to fit into their system and I, I know what it's like working in a in a lodge which is you know in a remote place and you're far away from everybody else and you're joining an established group of 12 men 12 guides mm -hmm. they must have had their way of doing things and thoughts what did they think i mean the beautiful thing about botswana is that culturally men and women i think are fairly equal in mm -hmm. our society compared mm -hmm. to a lot of other places in Africa and around the world. Is that a fair comment? That's true. Yeah. Having said that though, you know, 12 men, male guides doing their thing at Toby Game Lodge, what did they think when you when you came along, young young Florence? Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um well, they accepted me. They welcomed me into their team. But um every day um, one thing that I love about that team is that every day they will tell me that um, joining the Chobe Game Lodge as a lady guide, you have to be on our standard because we're working as a team. So we don't want anybody like being at the lower part. You have to fit in our team. And um, here and there, you will find a few of them. They were a little bit skeptical, you know, about um, my ability up until they realized that I was more than capable. So they accepted me in their team. That's nice. So, I mean, so obviously they had their standards and they yeah. wanted to make sure that you met the, the lodges' mm -hmm. standards of guiding for yeah. the guest expectations. Yes. But a few of them thought, hmm, not so sure she's going to mm -hmm. last. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, Flo, did you prove them wrong? Yes. At this point in 2004, you're the only female guide at Chobe Game Lodge. I mean, I think it was safe to say in Africa there were few, very, very few female guides. Mm -hmm. But certainly Botswana had a few. Do you know how many, roughly how many guides or, or did you know of many other female guides in Botswana around 2004? Um, I'm actually told by our general manager during at that time, there were less than 10 female guides in the whole of Botswana. Wow. Okay. But I'm not quite certain about that, but that's what I was told. Yeah, I heard similar. Certainly, uh, very, very few uh, female guides in the country. Um, after 2004, uh, joining this team, I guess um, the management, were actually looking at how things were being um, done, how maintenance maintenance costs went, and uh, the fuel consumption. Because I remember um, every one of us were actually allocated um, equipment that we were supposed to use. The vehicle that I was assigned to, the boat that I was assigned to, um, all the, 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 the maintenance costs, all the, the, the fuel um, costs also went down. So then from there, they, they said, okay, maybe if we can put more of the ladies into the team, something might um, happen here. So that's actually how it happened. A year after, um, I was actually joined by three more ladies, and the numbers were going up a bit by bit. 
so just to so what you so what you're saying is that the the workshop were monitoring each and every vehicle and mm -hmm. boat that you That's used. True. They could tell that mm -hmm. you had lower fuel consumption and better use of the vehicles and boats. That's true. Makes sense when you think about it because I remember when I was in the UK they always used to promote car insurance for for females because women were more responsible drivers so they had lower premiums on their car insurance. Mm. It's probably exactly the same the when same. it comes to yeah, guiding. That's true. That's really true. Yeah. So you've proved yourself as a guide. You're looking after your equipment. Now the management at the lodge start to employ specifically women guides. That's true. And you were joined by three others, you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're at 2005 now. Mm -hmm. What happened with your career? Did you stay at Chobi or did you move to another company or what did you do? Okay, I stayed at Chobi from 2005 up until 2008-2009. So I wanted to see what part of um, um, Botswana, what other areas they were doing. So I, I found myself in the Okavango Delta. So that was one of the, the, the plan because I remember where I come from is closer to the Okavango Delta. So that was more like going back home. So the only reason I left was just to expand my my career. Perfect. Which uh, where did you go? In which company or which camp? I went into a Jao concession. So it's right again in the middle of the delta. So that's where I uh, I moved from Chobe into that area. Actually, thinking about Jao, it's not that far from Gumare, really, is it? Mm -mm, it's not. Very close. Very close. Back home. Cool. Mm -hmm. How are your Mokoro and okay for those of you who don't know Mokoro is a traditional Botswana dugout canoe. This is what the traditional way of moving around the Okavango Delta and the associated river systems that we have in the country. That's how they move around from area to area. So I expect that Florence you had very good Mokoro skills right? Unfortunately, when I joined the team, <laughs> um, I had no clue of how to do or how to pull the mukaro. But the good thing is that as soon as I joined the team, they explained everything um, to me that, okay, in the area that you are heading into, you have to do the mukaro activity. You have to do all the activities that are available in that area. So I was eager and I was ready to learn how to, to pull Mokoro. I went in and it took me about a week or so and then I was in that same picture with them. So they taught me how to, to pull Mokoro. I fell at least twice, three times in the water but then afterwards I'm, I was super cool. Even today if you can bring that duck out to Kenya, I will take you from here to spa. <laughs> it's fine, we can have a race next time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you did walking safaris, boating mm -hmm. safaris, game drives, and mm -hmm. you were back in the heart of the Okavango Delta where you brought up. So it must have been wonderful. And that's a very famous, beautiful concession, that as well. Eh? That is true. Yeah. During the time when I was still in the Delta, I was always uh, thinking about the Chobe area, the Chobe National Park, the Chobe Game Lodge. And um, 
I was actually keeping the track on what was happening on the other side. I had few friends so that I loved there. So I would communicate with them. They will tell me what is happening. They explained to me that uh, they are now running the lodge um, with only a female a team. That one thing that um, really um, made me be excited about that, if I remember, because going back there, seeing all the ladies, I I used to picture all those houses at our staff compound. I used to stay with those gentlemen, you know, sitting around our big table. Now it's only ladies sitting there. Incredible to go from the transition from when you started as the only female mm -hmm. to now having the entire guiding team, all women, mm -hmm. really must have had a big impact on the whole country or what was the, did you see a change or a shift in Botswana? Yes, that was actually a very, a huge, a huge change. Like looking at where I started with those um, men and now looking at only a lady guides leading the whole um, entire Chobe National Park and not only the whole uh, Chobe National Park, the whole country, the whole Africa, we can bring a very big change. Sometimes that's what it's all about. It just takes the impetus of one company or one group of minds to change the perceptions. <laughs> because you were inside this all and you experienced it, Naturally, it is a male-dominated industry, but is there a reason for that? And in your view, what do you think women bring to guiding that men lack? Women are more sensitive than men. I'm sorry to say this, but it is true. We bring in that sensitive touch into the guiding. We are not only looking at going out there, finding all those interesting sightings. We are also looking at the people that are behind us, the guests that we have. So whenever we are out there as female guides, we try to, 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 to build up this um, tree where they can all sit and fit underneath it. So female guides, they actually bring that sensitive touch into guiding department. We are not saying um, we are much, much better than our male um, counterparts. We, we bring something sensitive to it. And as we know, most of the time, women are actually, you know, nature, women are always a problem solver. So when you get into the point of guiding, you know, it brings a change into the whole guiding industry. Beautifully put. So you've already established that women bring a more sensitive touch when it comes to looking after the equipment, fuel consumption, looking after the cars and the boats. And of course, as you mentioned, I think you really described that beautifully. They, women have an ability to nurture those who are around them. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that if you have a, a, a group of people in your vehicle, I can imagine what you're talking about is being able to identify if mm -hmm. one of them is not happy or mm -hmm. making sure everybody's happy. Yeah. I think what's also important to understand is any industry or any sector we need to have a balance, isn't it? That's, that's true. 
that's very true. Women bring a different perspective. Yeah. I read a report that done by the United Nations or the World Tourism Organization that in Africa, when it comes to to tourism, men who have jobs in tourism, around 35% of their income from tourism, 35% of that income trickles down to the rest of the families. Whereas women who work in tourism, more around 90% of that salary ends up staying in the, in the family. Would you say that's a fair representation? I mean, when it comes to, you know, what you spend your salary on, it all evolves around your family or? Um, that's true. Um, because looking at the fact that women in Africa, we actually, the stronghold of the families. Uh, my salary, um, I always look at it and say, I'm always thinking about my family, my kids, their health, their education, food, clothing. So those are the things that, that I look at. And most of the time, looking at our family structure, we always have somebody from your sister, from your brother, who need your assistance. And those are the people that whenever you're towards month end, you're thinking of them. You just wait and, uh, and think that, okay, one might call. And if he or she need a hundred pula, I would have to assist. Perfect. And this is something that's really important to our goal at Inspiring African Travel, mm -hmm. is to really create a platform for the voices of women who are succeeding in tourism in Africa. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you go, if you're a traveler or if you're a travel advisor selling different places of Africa, mm -hmm. it's really important that you identify those companies who are doing a lot in terms of female empowerment because as, if there are more women in senior positions more of your dollar spent in that country at the end of the day is going to trickle down to the benefit of the, the families and the communities and that's something that's really 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 important that's true yeah Flo thank you so much for coming and being our inaugural interviewee with Inspiring African Travel Thank you, James. A message out there to other women. Um, if you were sitting in front of other young women here um, in New Dzaneng, what would you say to them about what you've learned from your journey and how to apply themselves so that they can break through into the industry, whatever they do, even if it's not guiding, to make a success? If I can have um, that opportunity, be the young ladies around in the area. You have to believe in yourself. And um, we're looking at the fact that now, in this generation, or the young girls that we have at the moment, they are actually more exposed to what is happening around. So tourism at the moment, there are only few areas where it's not there. You might have an auntie or a brother as a guide or auntie working um, as a receptionist so they are they are there and they learn they hear from them so I could tell them that if if they can focus they can find something out of tourism and that can actually change their life we are here as a guide not only as a guide also as a woman um, if I did it 
they can also do it. And um, I always say, you're looking at those ladies in higher positions. You see how far they have gone. You see um, how they have struggled to get to where they are. If they did it, we can also do it. And if we've managed to cross that river, they can also do the same. So I can only tell them that um, tourism is here and it's actually um, one of those um, big industry in Botswana. And if they can you know, find a way in, they can find life out of it. Um, sharing the story, sharing how we have traveled up to where we are now. I've always used um, this quote and it goes like, I've always believed that one woman's success can only help another woman's success. That is actually true. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you know any women out there who would like to share their story, please do get in touch by visiting our website on inspiringafricantravel.com and submitting your details in the Contact Us section. In the meantime, please keep in touch. You can find Inspiring African Travel on all social media platforms. And don't forget to subscribe and share.